See, there's a vast difference when, when you're talking, and Christians have got to get this. Christians don't understand this. When Christians talk, if they're talking out of here, out of their spirit, it'll work. If they're talking out of their head, it won't. Hell knows the difference. And sometimes when one of us preachers say something on television or on, in a crowd or whatever, we'll say it out of our spirit, and it'll be powerful. And so the crowd will get it, and they'll say it back. And we'll say, say this, and they'll say it. And when we said it, we said it out of our spirit. When they said it, they said it out of their spirit. But over a period of time, it becomes a saying. Yeah. And over a period of time, it transfers. It gets on a little elevator and just goes right from your spirit right up to your head, and then pretty soon you're saying the exact same words, but they're coming out of here instead of coming out of here, and there's no power in it. I'll give you a good example of that. Kenneth Copeland's a really good friend of mine, so don't think I'm putting him down. I am not. I'm just telling you something he said. Kenneth said years ago in a meeting, he said, he said, bless God, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Isn't that right? Yep. And when he said it, he said it out of here. He meant every word of it. There was an anointing on him. I'm blessed of highly favored. Devil, you're not going to do that. I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. And the crowd heard it, and so they started saying it. I'm blessed and highly favored. Right. And they said it out of here. But you know, it's been 10, 15 years since he said that. Now when he still says it, I still go to his meetings and see him all the time, and he still says it. And he still says it out of here. But I go to church after church after church after church after church. I'm in a church every Sunday. You know, we was in the church last Sunday. We'll be in the church next Sunday. We was in the church the Sunday before that. And Sunday after that, we'll be in the church in Florida. Uh, we, we, we in church. And I'll walk up to the door of almost any church I go to, and I'll say, uh, and there's the greeter greeting me. And I'll say, hey, buddy, how's it going? Bless my favorite. I say, I say What? I'm blessed and highly favored. I said, are you a parrot? <laughs> blessed and highly favored, rock. Rock, blessed and highly favored. Probably want a cracker. And they don't even hear what they say. And I'll ask them sometimes, I say, I say you're what? I mean, I do it on purpose. I'm blessed and highly favored. You're what? I'm blessed and highly favored, Brother Terry. You're what? I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, they keep figuring out what's wrong with me. I can't hear. <laughs> I said, what does that mean? Because they're not saying it from here. They aren't even, think, they're not even listening to what they're saying. They're not even paying attention to what they're saying. And yet when Kenneth says, if you hear him tomorrow say it, he's going to say it from here. And it's going to work for him. And it's up to you whether it works for you or not. Because when you speak from here, it's going to come out of your spirit and it's going to work. God doesn't deal with your head. He deals with your heart. He deals with your spirit. So if you're going to operate in authority, you're going to have to talk out of your spirit and not out of your head. Paul said, Paul said we having the same spirit of faith, we believe it so we speak it. We're speaking it because we believe it. If we believe it, we're, we're sure going to speak it. Because we know that if we just believe it and don't speak it, it's not going to work. We believe, Paul said, therefore we speak.
we having the same spirit of faith. Well, what spirit of faith is that? Same one that Joshua and Caleb had. See, God said about Caleb back over there in Deuteronomy, he said Caleb had another spirit. Those, other, those ten spies that died, they, they didn't have the same spirit Caleb had. It said Caleb had another spirit. In fact, whenever that 40 years was over, Caleb was now 45, 85 years old. And they finally went over the Jordan River, finally. And he walked up to his buddy Moses before they, just before they, I mean his buddy Joshua, right after they crossed uh, the river and went to the promised land. And he said, Josh, me and you tried to do this 40 years ago, and I was going to take that mountain right over there. And I'm going to tell you something, Joshua. I'm as strong and as ready for war now as I was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I was 45, and I said, I'm going to take that mountain. Now I'm 85, and I'm as strong and ready for war now as I was then. Now, Joshua, give me that mountain. Joshua said, go get it, buddy. And he went and took it. Amen. See, we need to start thinking of ourselves that way, that, that at 85 we'll be as strong and ready for war as we were at 40, at 45. You're still thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be decrepit and I'm going to be feeble and I'm going to be. Well, everybody tell you, I'll probably be in the old folks' home by then. Well, yeah, I keep saying it. You want me to agree with you? Are, are you all here? See, if we're going to operate in authority, I remember one time my first wife, Jackie, Jackie's in heaven now, but when, when, when our babies were little, we were, we were driving from Texas to Florida, and so we were driving along the Gulf Coast, and, and there's, along the Gulf Coast there's all these tourist shops, you know, they got selling T-shirts and seashells and all that tourist stuff. And so we stopped at one of them, and we went inside, and we, and, and we had, uh, I think, just three kids at the time, and, and Lori, who's our third baby, our oldest daughter but third baby uh was just a little just 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 little and so and jackie always had her fixed real cute and had these long little ringlet curls hanging down and stuff like that. and jackie was carrying her with with lori's back to to her mama and ja jackie's carrying her like this so lori's facing out and we're walking around this tourist trap i mean tourist shop and um, <laughs> and these two little old ladies look like they're about 300 years old walked up to her you know, they got blue hair. I don't mean the blue hair like they got today. I mean, I don't mean the Kool-Aid hair. I mean, I mean, you know, they got that, that gray blue hair the little old ladies used to always have. Yeah, that gray rinse. Is that what it was? But it's not the blue hair today. And so these little old ladies, you know, they, they came walking up to, to Jackie and, and, and looked at the baby and, and reached up and just pinched Lori's cheeks like that. And she said, oh, she's so sweet. God bless its heart. And Jackie said, thank you, ma'am. He does. And the lady said, what? Jackie said, thank you. He does. She said, he does? He who? <laughs> Seriously. And Jackie said, God. She said, God? She said, ma'am, you said God bless it's heart. And I said, thank you. He does. God does bless her heart. And she said, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, she never heard what she said because she had just probably been saying it for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Every time she saw a cute little baby, that was just what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. God bless his heart. Never heard it. 
Didn't mean it. Had no basis to it. Had no faith in it. Didn't even know she said it. And that's how Christians are in church. Yeah, yeah. I hear it with my own kids. I hear it with her kids. I hear it, I hear it with preacher kids all the time. I hear it with church people all the time. Because we're going to have to learn to talk in authority yes. and not tell the, the, the devil, oh, sweetie, you can't go with mama to work today. You're going to have to get serious about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You have to get, you're going to have to take authority, take dominion. God put you in dominion. Now you're going to have to act like it. Amen, Brother Terry. That's a really good word. Well, thank you. You understand what I'm saying to you? Now, the scripture we started using Sunday was, was uh, Genesis 126. God said, Now let us make man in our likeness and our image, and let them, them men and women, them people, let them have dominion. Dominion. That's a strong, powerful word. He said, I want them to dominate. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. I mean, he got real specific. He didn't just say, oh, let them have dominion. He said, no, no, let them have dominion over the fowl of the air. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Let them have dominion over the beast of the field. And over all, A.W. the longest word in the Bible, over all the earth. Well, what does that mean? It means all the earth. Well, would that include fires? Yeah. Hurricanes, yeah. Earthquakes, yeah. Tornadoes, yeah. Drought, yeah. Flood, yeah. Whatever's going on, on the earth, God wants you to dominate it. You just helping me? <laughs> Amen. Does that make sense to you? Yes. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I mean, God got just real specific. Then, then Matthew 10, 1, in the New Testament, Jesus said, Jesus called him in his 12 disciples and gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I mean, that, that doesn't, no disease is exempt from that. You've got authority and dominion over every, to heal every kind of disease. Brother Terry, you really believe that? Well, Jesus said it. <laughs> if Jesus said it, wasn't my idea. I didn't think this stuff up. And then Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, pay attention, look at me, listen to me. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions. What is that talk to, talking about? Every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, A-double-L, all the power of the enemy, the devil, and nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing shall by any means hurt you. Now that's what Jesus said. Jesus said that. Terry Myers didn't say that. Jesus said that. So all we have to do is, is believe that and walk in that. Amen? When that hitchhiker, when I was 24 years old in Mexico and he had that gun jammed in my ribs, 
I'm driving the car, he's hitchhiking, I picked him up, he got in the car, jammed a gun in my ribs, caught my collar like this, and I'm driving the car, and he pulls me over like this, and he's got the gun in my ribs and the hammer cocked, and he screams at me, I'm going to kill you! Only in Spanish, te voy a matar! And it made me mad. And I said, I'm a man of God, and I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. You can't kill me. Come on. Come on. What if I had just been a normal Christian? What if I hadn't known about spiritual authority? What if I hadn't known about dominion? What if I hadn't realized that I'm in dominion, he's not? I've got the word, I've got the name, I've got the blood, I've got the covenant, I've got the spirit, he's got a gun, I win. That's what I told him. He said, he said, no tienes miedo, aren't you scared? I said, no, why should I be scared? All you've got is a loaded gun, I've got the name of Jesus, I win. Well, that made no sense to him whatsoever. It made perfect sense to me. It's not my business if it doesn't make sense to him, I don't care. It's not my responsibility for it to make sense to him. Come on. Right? It's my responsibility to be in dominion. It's my responsibility to be in authority. It's my responsibility to be in faith. And I said to the Lord, he had a gun like this, and I said to the Lord, I said, Father, Jesus said in Luke 10, I said out loud in English, Father, Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, that he gave me authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing, and I spelled it for the Lord, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing, shall by any means hurt me. That means this man, his gun, his bullets cannot hurt me, and if he pulls the trigger, you must, M-U-S-T, do something with the bullets for your covenant's sake. Not for my sake. I didn't ask the Lord to do it for me. This isn't about me. It's about his word, his covenant. I said, I said you must, M-U-S-T, do something with the bullets for your covenant's sake, for you're the covenant you're the faithful God that keepeth covenant. And I said, and you don't have much room to work with seeing his gun barrels up against my gut. I said, but that's none of my business. My business, I said all this to the Lord. I said, that's none of my business. My business is to believe it. And your job's to do it. Amen. And then later he stood at me as close as I am to Renee and shot five times. The bullets didn't hit me. Well, why didn't they hit me? Because back down the road, I said, if he pulls the trigger... You must, M-U-S-T, do something with the bullets because your word says he cannot hurt me. Amen. But what if I had just been normal old Joe Christian? I'd be Joe dead, show dead. Does that make sense to you? We've got to operate in authority and understand that we're in authority, but, 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 you can say the authority words from here and it's not going to work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can say the right words from the wrong place, which is what Joe Christian would do. And then Joe Christian and every, all the relatives and every, the friends wonder why it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because he wasn't in authority. But Brother Terry, he said, he said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Well, yeah, but he didn't mean it. I was living in Oaxaca, Mexico, and, and uh, I went over to see some friends of mine one day, and, and she was an American gringa missionary lady from America, and he was a Mexican uh, pastor, and they had seven kids. 
and, uh, and I liked them really well. And I went over to their house to visit them one day, Jackie, and I went over to see them. And the lady said to me, oh, Brother Terry, I wish you'd have been here yesterday. With your strong faith and authority, man, I wish you'd have been here. Oh, well, it probably wouldn't have done any good anyway. And I said, what are you talking about? You're talking riddles. And she said, oh, oh, oh. She said, we had a demon-possessed guy here. She said, somebody brought him to us a couple of days ago and said, we locked him in a storeroom and had this demon-possessed guy here. And said, yesterday, my husband went and, and unlocked the door and took him some food. And the guy attacked him and escaped. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Me, you wish I'd have been here and then it wouldn't do any good anyway. And she said, well, she said, you know, at first I was thinking that strong authority you walk in, you'd have, you'd have done something. But, but then I realized, oh, no, my husband said, la sangre de Cristo tiene poder, the blood of Jesus has power, and the guy hit him anyway and escaped. And I said, oh, no, 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 that wouldn't have happened if I'd have been here. I said, he wouldn't have hit me and he wouldn't have escaped. She said, well, what do you mean? My husband said the blood of Jesus has power. And I said, yeah, but your husband didn't say anything. She said, what? And I said, your husband didn't say anything. I said, all he said was a statement of truth. The blood of Jesus has power. I said, he could have said the grass is green. That's true. He could have said the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And that's true. Those are statements of truth. Right? Yes. The blood of Jesus has power, sure. But that didn't affect the devil any because he said it from here. Blood of Jesus has power. I'm blessed and highly favored. Rock! Blood of Jesus has power. Well, that's not something you say in rote. That's not just some little ditty you say. That's not just some little Christian ease that you speak. That's, that's got to be a direct command talking to a devil. She said, well, what would you have done? I'd have said, I'd have said stop right there in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you and you come out of him in the name of Jesus. I'd have given him a command from here. I'm not just going to tell him the sky is blue and the grass is green and the birds are singing from here. Does that make sense to you? It, 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 if we're going to operate in authority, we're going to have to speak from here, That's right. and we're going to have to speak in terms of authority. You, you better get over this goofy garbage that America's gotten into and Christians and churches have gotten into. Of, oh, we're just little mealy-mouthed Christians. We're just little sissies. And Jesus was just a little sissy. And God just loves me. Oh, God just loves me. And I'm God's favorite. And oh, praise the Lord. Isn't this wonderful? No. I'm just God's favorite. No, you're not. God doesn't have favorites. That's right. People always come to me and say, now, Brother Terry, let me tell you how God deals with me. I said, I don't want to hear that. I said, God doesn't deal with you anything way special. I said, he deals with you the same way he deals with me and everybody else. He tells you what the Word says and you do it. Amen. You don't get any special excuses or special dispensation. <laughs> well, you're so special. I'm going to deal with you different than I deal with everybody else. I know my Word says for everybody to do this, but you don't have to do that. You, you're, 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 you're my favorite. Why? It's ridiculous. Get yourself killed that way. You pull that on the devil, he'll kill you. Because he knows whether you've got authority or not. He knows God doesn't deal with you special. He knows that the only thing that stops him is the word. 
Amen? That's why he, you were talking about that a while ago when you were up here. That's why he comes to steal the word. That's what Jesus said, temptations, tests, and trials are for. That's what he's talking about in that parable. He said all those things come to steal the word. So or so is the word. Some of them sow it in thorny ground, and the weeds take it over. Some of them on stony ground. It doesn't work. It doesn't grow. That's the whole, that's the whole point of the devil is to make sure you don't get that word in your heart coming out your mouth, coming out of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Are y'all here? Authority. Authority. Dominion. Amen. Power. Faith. Those are all, those are all proactive words. We're not, we're not just playing church. Right? What would you say? Talk to empty cupboards and empty gas tanks? Yeah, how many times have I done that? I've driven all the way across Mexico for days with not a drop of gas in the car. You know? I got cardboard and put over, taped it over the, over the gas gauge so I couldn't see it. Because I didn't have any money, but I had to go somewhere and preach. Amen? Now, if I'd had some money, I'd stop and put gas in. I wouldn't have been stupid. Right? We're not going to tempt God. But if I got to go somewhere and I don't have any gas, I got to go. I just don't want to see that gas gauge. Nowadays they talk to you. I'd disconnect that rascal. <laughs> 50 miles to empty, 40 miles to empty, 30 miles. Shut up! <laughs> Amen. What did I ask you to remind me about today? I think it was the night before I asked you to remind me about telling the Raising the Dead story. And I did. You're a day behind. But at least you were about to remind me. Pastor was up here a while ago, and he made a he he made a statement that I'm not sure you got or not. He was talking about uh, ignoring voices. Did you say something like that? Don't 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 just listen to everybody. That's some of the best advice you'll ever hear, and I'm not sure I'm not sure everybody heard it. You, you know, Christians must, M-U-S-T, must learn who to listen to and who to follow and learn who to ignore. Because you're going to have all kinds of people telling you all kinds of stuff that you need to ignore. You're going to have preachers tell you stuff. See, the Apostle Paul made this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. He said, I'm not an apostle to everybody, but I am to you. Amen? Yeah. Now, I can't hardly imagine people would go hear the Apostle Paul preach and then walk away and say, well, I don't receive him as an apostle. <laughs> but they did. Right. I can't imagine them going to hear Jesus preach and say, I'm not going to listen to him. But they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
And see, you've got, there's thousands of preachers, millions of preachers. You can just go turn on TV and turn on YouTube and turn on, you know, or just go down the street to any church you want to and hear all kind of preachers say all kind of stuff. But you, you, need, to, you need to have a preacher that has authority in your life, that you're given authority in your life, and that's your pastor. And then after your pastor, there's going to be maybe, maybe two or three more, but there's not going to be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. Amen? And Paul said, you, you, Paul said, I'm not an apostle to everybody, but I am to you. And see, when, you, when God shows you who your apostle is and who your pastor is and who your prophet is and who your evangelist is, what, what, what you just said a while ago, you just listen to like three people and I'm one of them, four people and I'm one of them. See, he's, see, he's not going to listen to just every voice out there, even though they're good people. Even though they're good pastors, they're just not his pastor. Even though they're good prophets, they're just not his prophet. Even though they're good apostles, they're just not his apostle. Right? They're good teachers, they're just not his teacher. They're good evangelists, they're just not his evangelist. See, I know thousands of prophets. Not only in America, but all over the world. I know prophets in, in, on, on six continents. I don't know any in Antarctica because I don't know any penguins. But, but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, on six continents, I, I know prophets. But they're not my prophets. They're not my prophets. Brother Hagen was my main number one prophet for years. I mean, since I was 16 years old, 15 years old. But he died. Hilton Sutton was my prophet. And Hilton died. Most of my fathers have died off. I'm almost an orphan. <laughs> I have two spiritual fathers left. One of them will be 101 years old next month. And Renee and I will fly down to Mexico City to visit him and celebrate with him. He's still preaching, 101 years old. And my other one is 86 years old. And uh, I listen to those guys more than I listen to anybody. And I'd listen to them tell me to do something. Whether I agreed with it or not, I'd obey it. Because I've been in the military. I understand how to follow orders. Amen. Amen. Renee got up here last night and she referred to a message that I preached back in the 70s. And she said, uh, she, said she first heard me teach it in the 70s and how great it was and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and she said, it was, who in hell are you? <coughs> and then she never elaborated on it, so you had no idea what she's talking about it. But in, in, the, in the 19th chapter, in the, excuse me, the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, Seven preacher boys, seven Bible school students, seven sons of the prophets, says they took it upon themselves to cast out devils, to call over those who had devils. So they went to this demon-possessed guy. Seven guys went to one guy, and they said, We adjure thee in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. Come out of him. And those devils said, Uh... Jesus we know. He's made headlines in hell. He scares us. He beats us up every day. And Paul we know. He makes headlines every day in the daily newspapers of hell. He beats us up every day. But we ain't never heard of you. And that's where I got that from. Who in hell are you? It's not cussing. Who are you in hell? Who are you in heaven? 
Does heaven know your name? Does hell know your name? Are you making headlines in hell? Are you making headlines in heaven? Amen. Amen. But I preached that back in the 70s. And it was a great message. helped a lot of people. Harrison House wanted to make a book out of it. Other people wanted to do stuff with it. And, uh, and I went to Lakewood Church to preach for Brother Osteen. And Brother Osteen said, come here back in the office, Terry. And we, let's, and we were back in the office visiting. And he said, by the way, he said, while you're here, he said, I know you preach this message called Who in Hell Are You? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, don't preach that here. I said, yes, sir. I said, may I ask why? And he said, because you're better than that. He said, you're an apostle of Almighty God. You've raised the dead and cast out devils and had blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. And he said, you don't need those tricky little titles like that. He said, you know, it's like seven ducks in a muddy stream and things like that that preachers preach and come up with these cute little titles. He said, you don't need, you don't need that stuff. Now, all he didn't like was the title. He liked the message. He didn't like the title. But do you know, Brother Peter, from that day to this, I've never preached that just because my father told me not to. Even though I disagreed with him. To this day, he's dead and gone. I can still preach it, and, but, and I still disagree with him. I think, it's a, I think it's fine. But because he told me not to and he's my father, then I said, yes, sir. I've never preached it since. You can ask her. I've never said it. I was shocked when she said it last night. Because he's my father. Yeah, but he's dead and gone, and he wasn't even right. I can't help that. He's still my father. I got lots of orders in the Army I didn't agree with, but I followed them. Right? So everything we do is going to be circumspect, and everything we, we do affects something else. And so I've got spiritual fathers. I've had a bunch of them, and all of them now are gone, but two. Why say I'm nearly an orphan? But even though Brother Hagen was my prophet and Brother Hilton Sutton was my prophet, uh, I knew thousands of prophets, but they weren't my prophets. I don't pay attention to them. There's some good guys. There's guys on TV. There's guys I know personally, and they're, they're on TV, and they're famous, and they're well-known, and they're prophets. Uh, and somebody said, do you hear what Brother Swanzo prophesied? And I said, I said no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't listen to him. Even though I like them, and they're good guys, they're just not my prophets. See, Paul said, I'm not an apostle to everybody. Well, they're not a prophet to me. Even though they're good guys and they're prophets to other people. And I have nothing wrong with them. They're not bad guys. They're good guys. They're just not my prophet. So after Brother Hagen died and Brother, Brother Sutton died, I had, to go, I had to go and say, well, okay, I'll receive Brother Copeland as my prophet and I'll receive Mark Barkley as my prophet. So I've got those two prophets in my life and I need to know something, I call them. Used to, I'd call Brother Hagen. When 9-11 happened, I was preaching in Israel, and I called Hilton Sutton, and I said, Hilton, why didn't you tell me? You're the prophet. That's your job to tell me what's going on. Why didn't you tell me this was about to happen? Here I am overseas. Just the job of the prophet. Amen. Amen. And I'd call Brother Hagen. I'd call Brother Hilton. And now they're both gone, so now... I call Brother Barkley and I call Brother Copeland. <laughs> you know, if I get in, in a jam I need an answer for, yeah, that doesn't hardly ever happen, but if I needed to, that's who I would call. Because is that who you should call? No, 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 they're my prophets. You get your own. 
I mean, you can have them too, but I mean, you, you, you let God show you who your prophets are. Could be the same prophets as mine. But those are mine. Those are the ones I'm going to listen to. Now, somebody might be in church, and they might be a prophet, and they might come on and give me a prophecy. Well, I'd, I'd, if, it, if it lined up with the Word, I'd receive it. And if it was edification, exhortation, and comfort, I'd receive it. If it was something weird, I wouldn't. Right? If it was fortune-telling, I wouldn't pay attention to it. Or if it was telling me I need to go to Africa and preach, I wouldn't do it. I'm not, you don't let a prophet run your life. You don't let a prophet be your fortune teller. The Bible says prophecy is for exhortation, edification, and comfort. Prophecy, a prophet's going to tell you something God's already told you. you already, it's it's going to be a confirmation. Prophecy's going to confirm something you already know from God. And you say, oh, okay, that is the Lord. But they just come up and said, you know, thus saith the Lord, go here and go there and do this and do that and, you know, do wonders and wonders and eat rotten cucumbers. I'd just say, well, <laughs> God bless you, you know. But I'm not going to, or I might just walk off while they're talking to me, you know. Even if they're good guys. So, you know, T.L. Osborne used to be my evangelist. Lester Summerall used to be, you know, my evangelist. Right? I mean, I had some pretty, I had some pretty high, high up spiritual fathers, and and, and I'm people say, "Brother, tell you just name dropping." No, no, I'm not name dropping. They were my friends. I've been in their homes. They've been in my homes. I mean, I mean, we had many a meal together, many a phone call together, preached together. You know, I mean, they 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 were real in my life. Amen. You know, and I mean, when they when they talked, I listened. Amen. You know, Oral Roberts. Many, many of the time he'd call the house and say, Terry, come on up here. And boy, I'd drop what I was doing and come up. Or, or he and Evelyn would call and say, come up for dinner. And Jackie and I'd go to dinner. I mean, I don't care what I was doing. I'd just quit what I was doing and go do what they told me to do. Amen. Because of who they are. Amen. And who they are in my life. Amen. That they're my man of God. And Paul said, I may not be impossible to everybody, but I am to you. So you need to know who to listen to. And you need to know who to ignore. Because there's more folks out there that you need to ignore than there are that you need to listen to. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, the three Hebrew children ignored the king's commandment to bow down to the idol at the penalty of death. But they ignored him. Now, Christians today would slap those boys upside the head and say, Shame on you, you're supposed to submit to authority. No, no, no. They said the king can just go butt a stump, jump off a cliff. They're not going to do what he said, right? They ignored what he said because what he said violated the word of God that said you shall have no other gods before you, right? Other than that, they obeyed what the king said. But when he, when he violated and got cross-grained with God in the word of God, they said, we're going to have to ignore you. Well, then I'll kill you. Well, we still going to have to ignore you. And by the way, you can't kill us. Isn't that right? Yeah. See, Moses' mother ignored the king's commandment to kill all the little Hebrew boys. Isn't that right? The wise men ignored King Herod's command to return back and tell him where Jesus was. David ignored... The, the, uh, or, excuse me, Daniel ignored the king's law not to pray. Prayed anyway. That's 
Jesus ignored the Pharisees. David ignored his brothers. His brother said, what are you doing out here to see the war? He says, David just turned his back on him and started talking to somebody else. Amen. There's people you're going to have to ignore. You're going to have to ignore and quit listening to all these voices. Amen. You'll be so confused. If you go turn on Christian television and listen to all those voices, you'll be so confused. You need to know who to listen to and who to follow. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And no other will they follow. Amen. Abraham ignored his body and ignored the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's 100 years old and God said, you want to have a baby? And he said, yes, sir. But he ignored the fact that that was impossible. Isn't that right? John ignored the circumstances of the prison island he was on, the Isle of Patmos. Horrible island, horrible place. And while he's there, he just sat down and wrote a little book called Revelation. <laughs> Amen. Peter ignored his exhaustion. Paul ignored his chains. Nehemiah ignored uh, Sanblot and Tobiah. You go read Nehemiah 6.3. Those bad guys came to Nehemiah and said, uh, you know, um, you're building this wall, but uh, uh, let's, go over here and, let's go over here and talk a little bit. In, fa in fact, let's go into the temple. Let's go read that in Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's, let's go into the temple because the bad guys are going to come kill you, and in this way you can hide in the temple and be safe. And he said, he said, who do you think I am that I'd run away and that I'd hide in the temple? I'm not hiding. Let them come. See, he ignored that bad advice because they were actually trying to get him in there so they could kill him. And he, he just ignored them. Because he said, he said I, know, I know you've been hired by another bad guy just to, just to kill me. Gideon ignored his family history. Moses ignored his reproach. Isaac ignored the famine. Jacob ignored Laban's lies. I could go on and go on and go on and go on. There's a lot of ignoring in the Bible. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Isaiah ignored the laws of human fertility. I give you scriptures for all these if you don't know the Bible. Hezekiah ignored the Assyrian king. Zacchaeus ignored the, his, his past. Jairus ignored the report when they came and said, Your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, Don't you fear. So Jairus ignored the bad report. Joseph ignored Potiphar's wife. She was trying to commit adultery with him. Job ignored his wife when she wanted him to curse God and die. Amen. Amen. Joshua and Caleb ignored the other ten spies and said, we can go in and take the land. Amen. Noah ignored the whole world. And said, I'm building a boat, y'all better get in. <laughs> but if you're not, I am. Amen. Jonah ignored the whale, didn't he? The Bible says he's at the bottom of the ocean in the belly of the whale with seaweed wrapped around his head. Didn't faze him. He said, he said, salvations of the Lord, I'll pay what I vowed. What did he vow? He vowed he'd go preach Nineveh. He said, I'm, 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 this isn't my end. I'm, this isn't the end of me. I'll pay what I vowed, salvations of the Lord. 
God poked that fish and made him take him to the top of the water and over to the right shore and vomit him out and he went and preached. Spiritual authority covers a lot of territory, folks. The Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 stood there for a while and watched Jesus. Jesus is doing miracles and healing and miracles and healing. He's sitting over here watching all this. And finally, after he had watched it a while, he said, I got it. I got it. I figured this out. He said, sir, uh, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. Rick Renner told me something interesting. We was having breakfast not long ago, and Rick, Rick said, actually, that wasn't his servant. It was his son, but said he wouldn't say it was his son because it's illegal for a, for a soldier to have a wife or, or children. So the man was living in adultery because it was illegal for him to have a wife and children. And he'd have gotten in trouble had anybody known he had a wife and children. And he said, and Jesus knew that when he said, it's my son and my servant. Jesus knew it was his son. And Jesus didn't say, shame on you, you're in adultery. He just said, I'll come and heal him. And the Roman centurion said, no, no, sir, no, sir, you don't have to do that. Because I've been watching you. And I've been seeing how this thing where I got you figured out. He said, because I'm in the military. I understand military authority. I understand chain of command. He said, I'm a Roman centurion, and I say to this soldier, go, and he goes, and I say to this one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Because when I speak as a soldier in the Roman army, it's like Caesar in Rome is speaking. That's the authority I operate under. And I've been watching you. And you've been telling this demon to go and that demon to go and the blind eye to open and the deaf ear to unstop. And he said, I, I, I figured this out. You're just, you're just operating in spiritual authority. He didn't use that term. He said, you're operating under God. When you speak, it's like God speaking. So you don't even have to go to my house. Just speak the word. Just give the command. Just give the order. And it'll be done. And Jesus said, huh, Wow. I haven't seen this kind of faith in all the Jews. A Gentile, a Roman Gentile, a dog. According to the Jews, Romans were dogs, man. Italians were dogs. They wouldn't, wouldn't give them the time of day. Besides that, they were the occupying military force in the country. They hated them. And Jesus said, I hadn't seen this kind of faith among God's people, among the Jews. Go on home, you servants heal. And the guy went home, and the Bible says he, he was healing himself same hour. But see, he understood military authority. He, he got that. He figured that out. He figured out that all Jesus had to do was give a command, because if Jesus gave a command, it's like God talking. See, when I was in the military, I worked for the adjutant general of, of, of Fort Bliss, Texas. And uh, uh, I, I not only worked for him, he ran the post, but I worked for him, which meant I ran the post. And I had his signature stamp in my desk drawer. And so when I typed up an order, I just took his signature and stamped it. I mean, when I spoke, it was him speaking. Come on. Come on. Now, if I signed my name to it, it wouldn't be worth the papers written on. I'm a buck private man. I just got a basic training. I don't know nothing. I hadn't got a stripe one. I'm a slick sleeve private. But everybody called me sir because they just that, that that office that I was operating in called for an officer, so they just all assumed I was an officer. Mm 
I sent an all I sent a in every military paper, especially in the, in every military, but in the army, we called it uh, the authority line. Every order that was ever written, there, there's the order, the guy's name, serial number, blah 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 blah, and, and and then it says authority line. And so then my job was to turn to this big bookshelf when when I'd write an order to somebody from the general, then I'd turn to this bookshelf and I'd pull out an AR Army Regulation book. And I'd look up the AR, the Army regulation, that went with that order that I'm ordering them to do. And I'd type, then I'd type on the authority line, I'd type Army regulation, whatever, 605-234, blah, 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 blah. Or if I didn't want to do that, which I didn't, I could type these letters, V-O-C-G, Vocal Order of the Commanding General. You just can't imagine, Tammy, how fast I could type V-O-C-G. <laughs> I mean, Every time. And one day I sent an order to a full bird colonel, and he didn't like it. And so he called me. And I answered the phone. Adjutant General's office, my speaking. Now, you're supposed to give your rank when you answer the phone in the military. But there's no way I'm going to say private, my speaking. Because they're all assuming I'm an officer, so I'm just letting them assume. So I said, Adjutant General's office, my speaking. And he said, sir... This is Colonel so-and-so. And I said, yes, sir, Colonel, what can I do for you? He said, I just got an order from you. And I said, yes, you did. And he said, am I to understand you're asking me to comply with this? And I said, no, sir. You, you, you not understand I'm asking you to do anything. I'm ordering you to comply with that, and you will comply with it. Do you understand me? And he said, yes, sir. I said, okay. <laughs> well, if he'd have known I was a private... But, but what was I doing? I'm operating in what? The general's authority. The general's authority. I'm talking for him. He's the one that said cut the order, send to the colonel. So I did and stamped his name to it. Well, that's what you need to learn to do with the Bible, with Jesus, with God. You give the devil an order and you just stamp the name of Jesus. Amen. Only you don't say the name of Jesus like the Mexican pastor did. The blood of Jesus has power. You, you, you got to give it some oomph. In my spiritual authority series back there, I talk about a lot of these things that, that the church makes mistakes about. And I talk about the name of Jesus. And I ask people point blank. I say, does the name of Jesus have power? And of course, every Christian said yes. And I say, well, not necessarily. It depends, on, it depends on who's using it. It depends on if they know how to use it. And it depends on what Jesus they're talking about because there's lots of folks named Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I lived in Mexico as a missionary and, and every, every man in Mexico is named either Joseph or Jesus. <laughs> and every little girl is named Mary. And about this time of night, the sun's going down. There's mamas all over Mexico, all over Guatemala, all over Costa Rica, all over Panama, all over South America, going outside saying, Jesus, come eat. Come wash your hands. It's time for dinner. Take a bath. Do your homework. Right? They're telling all their little boys to come in. Their name's Jesus. 
If y'all ever meet a Hispanic guy here in the States and his name's Chewy, Chewy, Chewy's just a nickname for Jesus. His name is, his really, really his name is Jesus. That's right. Isn't that right? Claro que sí. Claro que sí. Es por cierto. Chewy just is a nickname for Jesus. But you can, you can call that guy all day long. Jesus, 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 and there's no power in it. Amen. Yeah. It's kind of like communion. Churches all over the world take communion. Some of them just do it out of habit. Some of them do it every Sunday. Yeah. Don't think a thing in the world about it. If they say, all right, we're having communion, they come down, they get the, you know, in the Catholic church, they kneel down, the priest gives them a little wafer, they stick out their tongue, he puts a wafer on their tongue, <laughs> they have a little drink of wine, they go down the line. You know, in our churches, we come up and get a little cracker and a little bit of grape juice. And, and most people do it and never think a thing in the world about it. But see, there's a spiritual authority in that that the church has missed. Come on. If you just take communion every Sunday just like Joe Christian, just like Susie Charismatic, it's not going to do you any good. Anytime I take communion, I, I say, Now, Father, the Apostle Paul said that if we, if we do this wrong, we're in trouble. And, and that, that because people do this wrong and they do not discern the Lord's body. You read this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Right. It, it, because they do not discern the Lord's body, many are weak, many are sickly, and many die prematurely. That's right. That's right. Therefore, Father, I'm not doing it wrong, and I, and I am discerning the Lord's body. I get what this means. Amen. And therefore, I will not be weak, I will not be sickly, and I will not die prematurely Amen. in the name of Jesus. That's why I take communion every time I take it. Amen. Because there's an authority in that. You can start taking a communion at your house every day and say that. And you will not be weak, will not be sick, will not die prematurely. Paul said. Right? He said, if you do it this way, you're going you're to be weak, sick, and die prematurely. Well, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Father, I discern the Lord's body. I understand what Jesus did. He shed His blood for me. He poured out His blood for my salvation, for my healing. Sozo, salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity, blessing. He did all this for me. This bread, every time I take communion, y'all can do it any way you want to, but when I take communion, I break that cracker. Because Jesus did. He said He took the bread and broke it. Well, I take mine every time I'm in a communion situation, Renee and I at home, or if I'm in somebody's church, and I break that thing, and I say, Lord, you broke it, I'm breaking it. And I'm doing this right. I discern the Lord's body. I not only discern the Lord's body, what you did on the cross, I also discern the Lord's body worldwide. If somebody names the name of Jesus, they're my brother, they're my sister. They may not be word of faith. They may not be my brand. They may be Baptist or Methodist or whatever. But if they're, if they're naming the name of Jesus and they're born again, they're my brother and my sister. And I, 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 I discern them. I receive them. And I will not be weak and I will not be sickly and I will not die prematurely. Yeah. Amen. We're anointing with oil. Same thing. You know. We, 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 we do a lot of things goofy in the church, you know. People just carry around that little little bottle, you know, and they got that little, little, they got a little dabble, do you? Some guys actually draw a cross, you know, when they do it. Man, in the Old Testament, they filled, a, they filled a horn with oil and poured it over your head 
and it went down your hair and down your beard and down your clothes and on the floor. We wouldn't dare do that today. It'd ruin our, ruin our clothes, ruin the carpet. But see, there's a lot of things in the Bible and a lot of things in church that are kind of cross-grained because we don't really see the authority in it. Are y'all getting anything out of this at all? Yes. We haven't scratched the surface of spiritual authority. And remember what I've said to you every service, everything that happens, you, you evaluate it, you analyze it and say, do I have spiritual authority? Because sometimes you do. Or do I not have it? Because sometimes you don't. Or do I not have it, but I can get it? I'm going to fight for it and get it. Or I don't have it and I can't get it. I might as well go to the house. Right? Because you're just not going to always have spiritual authority in every area. Jesus didn't raise everybody from the dead that died. Right? Well, when my first book, More Than Conquerors, came out back in 1978, 45 years ago, I had two or three Raising the Dead stories in there, and I got the most heartbreaking phone calls from all over the world. They'd read my book. And my wife would get these horrible phone calls, and I'd get these horrible phone calls. Brother Terry, Sister Jackie, would you send Terry? Brother Terry, would you come? My baby just died. My wife just died. My husband just died. My grandmother just died. My, my, would you come? Would you come? I'll, I'll fly you first class. I'll give you $100,000. If, if you'll just come, if you'll just come, if you'll just come raise it. And, and I just always would tell them, I'm so sorry. I, I can't. I don't know how. I said, if I knew, I, I told so many people, I said, if I knew how to do that, I'd just print up cards and that's all I'd ever do. And I'd just sit by the phone waiting for a phone call. And I'd get me a jet, and I'd, I'd just fly around raising people from the dead. I'd just do it every day. I'd, I'd love it. But I don't know how to do that. I don't have that kind of authority. I don't have that kind of ability, dominion, faith, whatever you want to call it. But then every now and then, the Lord tells me, raise that person from the dead. Amen. I've prayed for dead folks, and they got up. But I've prayed for dead folks, and they didn't. I prayed for live folks and they died. <laughs> Makes you not want to get in my prayer line, right? <laughs> but you know what? If everybody I prayed for in the next 75 prayer lines I have, if every one of them died, uh, it'd probably make people not come anymore. But, but it wouldn't change what I believe about the Bible. Because it has nothing to do with me. I'm supposed to lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. And his job is to get them to recover. Yeah. The end of Mar the last the last verse of the last verse of the book of Mark says, "And the disciples went everywhere and preached, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following." The Lord told me when I was just a teenager, He said, "Your job is not to heal them; you can't heal them. Your job is not to have a miracle; you can't have a miracle. Your job is to go everywhere and preach." Come on. And my job is to confirm the word with signs following. You Come go on. preach, and I'll confirm the word. That sure took a lot of pressure off me. Yeah, my job is not to heal them. My job, is not, my job is just to pray for them, preach everywhere, and his, preach the word, make sure I'm preaching the word. And then his job is to confirm the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. You know, I flew into Zimbabwe, Africa back in 19, I think, 91. Horrible drought was going on. I'll just hit some highlights here. I won't tell the whole story. 
horrible drought was taking place. It had been going over next, in the next country, over in Mozambique for, for 13 years. And it had been going on for a couple years in Zimbabwe. And temperatures were hitting 140 degrees in the daytime, 130, 140. It had been miserable. Birds were falling out of the sky. Crops had died. Cattle had died. Um, the army, the, the government actually sent military into the jungle to slaughter the elephants because elephants need so much water and use so much water and there wasn't any water. So the government said, just go, just, just go kill them. So they just went out and slaughtered them. In fact, my friend Lester Summerall found out about it and he sent people over there to get the elephant meat and, and, and used it to feed the hungry. And so, so something good came out of that. And, uh, uh, and, and when I got there, they were having this convention, this conference, big conference, big university convention center. And, and I'd been there many times. I knew a lot of those preachers there. They were friends of mine. Uh, but all of a sudden, they're all scared because uh, the government had announced that, that in 40 days, the day I got there, in 40 days, uh, the reservoir will be out of water and the population is going to die. There is no more water. And I mean, the UN was there. They were having meetings. They were, they were talking about seeding clouds. They were talking about pulling icebergs up from Antarctica. They, I mean, they, they were doing everything they could to try to get these people not to die in 40 days. And, and, and it was in a little black box on the front page of the newspaper of the city of Harare, the capital city of Harare, 40. The next day when I woke up, it said 39. The next day it said 38. The next day it said 37. The next day it said 36. And I thought, you know, if you lived here, and that's what slapped you in the face every morning. That my babies are going to be dead in 35 days, 34 days, 33 days, 32 days. That I'm going to be dead. That my grandma's going to be dead. That my, my, my wife, my husband's going to be dead. We're all going to be dead. You know, that would create mass fear and no hope. So this convention should have created faith. But the problem was all the preachers were scared. And normally, I don't go be a preacher at a convention because then I, I have to deal with other preachers and what they're preaching. And usually, and I learned a long time ago not to do that. But I went this time. They asked me to come, and I knew the guys that asked me, so I said, yeah, I'll come. And boy, when I got there, I was sorry. Because usually I go do my meeting, and I'm the preacher, and I'm in control, and I'm in charge, and I preach what God tells me to. And, uh, and I'm in the authority. But I wasn't in the authority there. And so there's about seven preachers, and I knew several of them, been in several of their homes, knew their families, knew their wives. And, uh, and, and they rotate us, you know, there'd be two of us preaching in the morning, two of us preaching in the afternoon, then somebody preached at night, and then the next, we'd rotate the next day and two morning, morning. And so every time I'd get up in rotation for me to preach, whether it was an evening service for the crusade or whether it was a morning services, then I'd preach the word, and faith would rise. Because faith comes by what? Hearing the word. But these other guys would get up and start preaching fear, and, I mean, just screaming, and, and hey, it's horrible, man. God's judging this nation. God's killing everybody because you're in sin. This nation's in sin. God's killing everybody. Well, I'd get up and preach faith, and the word and faith, faith would rise, and they'd get up, and they'd go, and this went on day after day after day, and every day that little black box is changing every day, every day, every day. The hysteria is getting more. The fear is getting more. It's crazy. And one night, uh, I'm sitting on the front row, about, about over here on this side, about where you are, in a big auditorium, big convention center. And uh, this old apostle is preaching that I've known for years, been in his home, know his wife, know his kids. I mean, you know, but he's scared. And he's preaching the most awful message, horrible message. And he's just screaming, screaming, about screamed his voice out, you know, and he's just, 
it's, it's terrible. And he's just preaching fear and doubt and unbelief and garbage and junk. And I'm sitting over there, and finally I just said to the Lord, I said, I said, Father, I'm done. I'm done. I said, you can just stick a knife in me. I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done. I mean, I'm through. I said, I'm going home. I said, I don't know why you brought me over here. I said, I'm not used to losing. I'm used to winning, and I'm not winning. And I said, I get up and preach the word, and faith comes, and they get up and preach garbage, and faith falls. And I said, this isn't working. And I said, I don't know why you brought me over here to waste my time and your money. I said, you know, I've got partners that sent me over here. I've got little ladies that send me money out of their Social Security check. I've got people send me $10 a month, $20 a month. I've got churches that support me, people that support me. And I'm, I'm responsible for their money, and I'm, I'm wasting their money. And I'm wasting my time. And I said, I am not going to sit here and watch these people die. I'm just not going to do it. They're dying, and I'm not going to sit here and watch them. And I said, so when I get back to my hotel tonight, it's daytime in America. I'm going to call my secretary and tell her to get me on a flight out of here tomorrow. I don't care where she sends me. I just want out of here. If I can get all the way home, great. If I can't, I'll just go somewhere in Europe. But I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done. And uh, so I'm just watching my watch and wishing he'd hush. And uh, y'all may be watching, thinking that about me. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and, and so finally he finished, thank God. And when he did, I just got up and headed to the door. Man, I'm going to the hotel. I'm done. And so somebody ran after me and stopped me and said, Brother Terry, wait, wait, wait. Brother Terry, wait. And I said, what? And they said, they want you back here in the back room. They said, they've got about 120 preachers back here they, they're having a meal for, and they want you back there. And I thought, all right, I'll just go eat a, the Last Supper, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, so I went back there, and, and they're all they're all down, depressed, upset, you know. And I sit down to eat, and, and they're they're serving sadza. Sadza is a national dish in Zimbabwe, and I don't know how to describe to you what it is, especially since you're Californians. Uh, if if you were Southerners, I could I could describe it to you. The best I could describe it to a Southerner is grits, but y'all don't even know what grits are out here. So, so oh, do you? You don't, you know how many grits are? Well, that, that, it's not grits, but that'd be the closest thing I could describe it to. It's just ground up. It's not mush. It would be if you put milk or butter or something in it. It could get mushy, but, but it's pretty solid. And, and they just dump it out on the table, and it's just in a mound, a big old white mound of, of, of uh, ground up meal, you know, corn or something. And, and no seasoning to it or anything. But it's the national dish of... Hmm? It is bland, and it's the national dish of Zimbabwe. And so we're all just sitting there at our different tables, and we're all just reaching out there. We're eating with our right hand. And so we're just, you know, and I'm just eating with my right hand and watching the clock thinking, I'm going to be nice for about 30 minutes. I'll be polite. <laughs> and, and, and then after 30 minutes, I'm going to excuse myself and say good night to everybody, and, and then I'm going to the hotel and call my secretary and get me out of here. And so sure enough, I watched the clock, and 30 minutes went by, and so I got up and cleaned my hand off, and, and I headed for the doors. And I said, good night, gospel preachers. God bless you. I love you. Everybody sleep well. And I didn't say I'll see you tomorrow because I had no intention of seeing them tomorrow. <laughs> God bless you all. Sleep well. And I just got to a double door, set of double doors, and put my hand out to open it. And one of the head guys said, Brother Terry, wait just a minute. We want you to pray about this. And I tell you, when he said that, my Popeye spirit came out. 
and I stands all I can stands, and I can stands no more. And I lost it. I whirled around at him. I twirled around at the doors, and I said, "Pray about what?" And boy, they all looked up at me like, "What's wrong with him?" And he said, uh, "Well, the drought. We want you to pray about the drought." I said, "What about the drought?" Well, we want you to pray that God will end the drought. And I said, you've been saying all week long God caused the drought. Come on, come on. You've been telling everybody God caused it? Well, yeah, he did. I said, no, he didn't. And I said, he can't be the good guy and the bad guy. Come on, come on. Amen. Amen. I said, he's not the blesser and the curser. The Bible says that bitter water and sweet can't come out of the same fountain. Blessing and cursing can't come out of the same mouth. God can't be the bad guy and the good guy. Make up your mind. Pick a God. There's all standing there looking at me like I'm nuts. And I said, my God did not cause this drought. My God did not do this. My God didn't kill the elephants. My God didn't kill the cattle. My God didn't kill the crops. My God didn't make the birds fall from the sky. My God's not killing you. Come on. Come on. I said, you're dying though. Your babies are dying. Your wives are dying. Your grandbabies are dying. And their blood's on your hands. Come on. And he said, what? And I said, this whole thing is your fault. They said, well, how do you figure that? I said, because God's given spiritual authority to the church. But the church listens to the preachers. And you preachers have lied to them. So their blood's on your hands. And they said, dear God, Brother Terry, what are we going to do? And I said, come in here. I I said, I said, make it rain. In the drought. Save the nation. And they said, well, how do we do that? And I said, come in here at 8 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to teach you spiritual authority and I'm going to make it rain while I'm here. I said, but I don't live here. I'll be leaving in a few days. And so you live here. You have authority here. You have dominion here. So you're going to have to deal with this. But I'll make it rain while I'm here. Boy, I mean, 8 o'clock the next morning, they were there. And I preached, David, I preached for four solid hours without a break. Not, not one break of any kind. And taught them on spiritual authority for four solid hours. And when I got through, I said, uh, y'all ready to make it rain? Ready to end this drought? Boy, they was all pumped up and excited after I'd preached faith for four hours. And uh, they, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, well, stand on your feet. And they stood up and I said, now I'm going to lead you in a declaration and a prayer. And you pray after me. And then when we get through with that, we're going to praise God because you always thank God for doing And when you ask him to do something, you thank him. And, uh, and we're just going to give him glory. So I led them in a confession and a declaration and a prayer. And uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and, then, and then I said, all right, I decree to you now. I decree as a man of God in the name of Jesus in the office God's called me to. Now what am I doing? I'm doing spiritual authority. Right? I'm there. I'm the guy. And I said, uh, I decree as an apostle of God that God's called me to the office of apostle that this drought is officially broken and it'll rain in the next 24 hours. If it doesn't rain in the next 24 hours, I'm not a man of God and you don't ever have to listen to me again. Of course, you'll be dead anyway. <laughs> and I said, now let's praise God. Let's praise him like we mean it. And so we started praising the Lord. 
And I'm just walking back and forth like I normally do. And I, oh, Father, thank you, Lord. I thank you for the rain. Lord, I thank you. You make it rain on the just and the unjust alike. Father, I thank you for, I hear the sound. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Father, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. It's raining, Lord. The drought's over. The drought's broken. You're giving life to this land. You're giving life to this people. Life, life, history has changed. We're changing history. We're making history. These people will live and not die. This drought is broken. And I'm just having a good time. Praise the Lord. And some American missionary that I hadn't met uh, had been there sitting way at the back that morning. I saw him two or three times, you know, uh, and, 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 and didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him. And so while I was praising, that clown got up and ran all the way to the front and got in front of me. With my, I'm, I'm got my eyes shut and I'm walking. And he grabbed my shirt and started shaking me and said, Dear God, Terry, you've got to stop this, man. It can't rain here. And I, I opened my eyes and looked at him and I said, What? And he said, the transcontinental, version, the transcontinental inversion layer is thousands of miles north, up past Kenya. It can't rain here. You've got to stop this. And I grabbed his hands. I said, take your hands off of me. You need to go sit down. You're out of order. You go sit down. Don't you ever do that again. I said, and I'm going to tell you something, Bubba. You better bring your umbrella and your galoshes because it's coming a frog strangler and a gully washer. I didn't even know what a transcontinental inversion layer was. I went back to the hotel, you know, and went and went to the went to the computer room and looked it up. And sure enough, sure enough, that's the that's the system in that part of the world that controls the rain. And sure enough, it was up past North, north Pass Canyon. Sure enough, it couldn't rain in the natural. And so uh, that afternoon service, I told them again, this drought's officially broken. It'll rain the next 24 hours. That night service, I happened to be the night speaker that night for the crusade, and I told that crowd, and oh my goodness, they. I tell you, if you hadn't been to Africa, well, you've been, you know what I'm talking about. If you hadn't been to Africa, you hadn't seen dancing. They can dance. It is glorious. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And I had taught all week long that God's a good God. God's not doing this. God's a good God. And in their language, there's two tribes in Zimbabwe. There's the Shona and the Indabeli. And we were in Shona land. And in Shona, God is good is Mare Watanaka. And so they got up and began to dance and started singing, Mare Watanaka, God is good. And I mean, they danced and they danced. And I just left the platform and went up in the bleachers so I could watch them. I, they, they just, they, it was gorgeous. You know, I just watched them until they, no sense in doing anything until they get through. And so finally they got through, you know, and so then I went down and preached my message and told them it'll rain tomorrow, you know. And uh, next morning, I got up really early. I stayed at the Sheraton Hotel there in Harare and I was up on the seventh floor. And uh, I got up early, and I'm praying as normal. And I'm telling God who he is as normal. Tell the Lord all the time, you're, you're Jehovah Jireh, you're Jehovah Rapha, you're Jehovah Rhea, you're Jehovah Shalom, you're Jehovah Nisi, you're Jehovah Zikanu, you're, Je you're Jehovah Shama, you're Jehovah Rohi, you're, Je you're Jehovah Sabah. In Jesus, you're the line of the tribe of Judah. The, you're the bright morning star, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the, 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 the fairest of 10,000. You're the counselor. You're the principal. You're the line of the tribe of Judah. You're, you're everybody that's anybody. You're my doctor, my lawyer, my banker. My, and I'm just going through all that. And, uh, and that morning I added, and you're the, you're the drought ender and you're the rainmaker. I said, I personally know the master of the wind. I personally know the maker of the rain. 
and salvations of the Lord and rains coming here today. This drought's broken and these people are saved. Their lives are saved and the, the nation is saved and history is changed and made. And, uh, and, and, and I got so into that that I just walked over to the window and looked out and there was people down there in the swimming pool already early in the morning because it's so hot they couldn't get in later. It's getting hot in the daytime. And uh, it's already way, way hot that early in the morning. And they were down there swimming. And I just opened my window and I said, Salvation is of the Lord. The drought's over. It's raining today. And then I did that about five or six more times. And, and people started going. <laughs> and finally somebody saw me and they started pointing. And, you know, and then the others started pointing. You know, and I said, that, what's that guy? That's that guy up there yelling. And so it came time for me to leave, and it made me feel better anyway. And so uh, t time for them to pick me up, so I went downstairs, and these two preachers were there to pick me up, and boy, they looked like they'd lost their best friend because they'd already looked at the sky, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, man. It was blue, 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 and that old African sun was hot already. And they had looked at the sky, and they were in total depression. And I said, good morning, preachers. Glory to God. What a day today is. Today's the day history has changed. It's raining today. <laughs> Nothing. I got in the car and they drove me to the convention center and I walked in. I walked in at the back. They brought me in the back. And so I saw the backs of everybody. And I mean, they're miserable. They're all bent over. Body language is all like this. And they're just absolutely miserable. And so I just started yelling from the time I walked in the door. I said, Glory to God. Good morning, gospel preachers. Glory to God. What a day. What a day. What a day to be alive. Today's the day it's raining. Today's the day the drought's over. Glory to God. And I'm just walking all the time up to the platform. They're just, they hadn't moved. They're just, they're miserable. And I said, today's the day it'll be written in history. Today's the day your grandbabies' lives are saved, your wives are saved, your kids are saved, the nation's saved. Glory to God. Preachers, get excited about this. <laughs> By this time, I got to the platform, picked up a microphone, went through all that again and again and again. And finally, I said, Come on, guys, let's praise God. Let's, let's give God glory. What a day this is. This is a day. You'll tell your children about this. You'll tell your grandchildren. I was there the day we, God saved the nation. Nothing. And finally, I said, get on your feet. Boy, they stood up. Remind me to ask Bornface if he's there. He may not be old enough. He might not have been in the ministry by then. But I tell you what. We, they stood on their feet, and I said, Now get your hands in the air, and let's give God praise and give Him glory. And they literally tried, Tammy. I watched them physically try to get their hands up. They couldn't do it. I mean, they literally, Thank you, Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord. Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. They, they not a one of them get their hands in the air. They were miserable. Their last hope had gone. Yesterday they had hope out of my sermon, and today they looked at the sky. And I said, come on, gospel preachers, get your hands in the air. Let's give God praise. Give Him glory. This is a day you'll tell your grandbabies about. Nothing. Finally, I said, oh, sit down. And they sit down, and I said, oh, get your Bibles, open your Bible, and let's get in the Word of God this morning. And when I said that, it cracked outside. 
and it thundered and it lightened and it rained 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 and it rained. And I mean, they were excited. And for the next three days around there, it was raining, and then I went home. And about two months later, the preachers were calling me saying, Brother Terry, come turn it off. I said, turn it off, turn it off yourself. You live there. It's your nation. You've got authority. And I was walking through the, li- I was walking through the living room, and CNN was on. That's because Fox hadn't been invented yet. And, and CNN was, was on, and, and this lady news anchor said, as I was walking through the living room, she said, the drought in Zimbabwe, Africa, that's been there in however many years it was, she said, is officially broken. And I said, well, thank you. I said, I knew that, but I'm, I'm glad you're telling the rest of the world because that's what I had said to them. It's officially broken. It's officially broken. But see, that, that, that's, all that's about nothing but spiritual authority. They had it and should have used it. And thank God I was there. Amen. Because I was able to step in there and take it. Even though I didn't live there, but I'm preaching there, invited there by them. Amen. Right? So I've got authority. Are y'all here? Yes. What time is it? I could tell y'all about 40 more stories like that, if you, but I guess, I guess I better not. But my, my. My, my, my. I'm going to have to do a book about this and just write chapters and chapters and chapters of stories and stories and stories. Everything from earthquakes to tornadoes to hurricanes to raising the dead to, to, to droughts to, um, to all of it. I mean, it's all spiritual authority. And it comes from Christians, men and women of God, being in authority and knowing they're in authority and speaking the word and declaring the word. It's not, it's not just praying and begging God. There are times you should pray and you should ask God for stuff. You, you do pray prayers of petition where you're petitioning God for something. You do pray prayers of agreement where you're agreeing with somebody about something. You do, 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 you do pray prayers of intercession where you're stepping into somebody else's situation interceding for them. Right, right. But in just normal general stuff, you're just supposed to be in authority. Amen. Right. It's a mindset. You're just supposed to tell the dog, go home. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't pray about that. Oh, Lord, please send my dog home. No, you should <laughs> get yourself home. What is a mindset? It's a heart set. It's what it really is. Because you're going to operate out of here. You're going to operate out of your spirit. You're not going to operate out of your head. You're not going to operate out of your mind. You do renew your mind. You get your mind to agree with this. You get your mind to agree with your spirit. Get your mind to agree with your heart. Get your mind to agree with the word of God. Otherwise, your mind will run off with you and tell you all kind of stupid stuff. Amen? And you, and you can get real frivolous, just real flaky. You know, Christians can get flaky. Yeah. And flaky isn't going to help. Flaky isn't going to work. Right. I, I told you last night about the rattlesnakes. I hate rattlesnakes, despise rattlesnakes, and I kill everyone I meet. And, and I feel the same way about sickness and disease. Whenever somebody comes with sickness and disease, I, I, I hate that thing. I curse it. I rebuke it. And I'm not just going to pray frivolously about that. Come on. Right? Amen. And the Bible says we, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So we speak death to disease, we speak death to cancer, death to AIDS, death to lupus, death to leukemia, death to COVID, death to whatever it is, and turn around and speak life to the person, that you'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. And it's all going to come down to, to spiritual authority. 
Amen. It's 15 to 9. You got time for one more story? Yes. Come on. Yes. The one I had in my spirit, and it just won't go away. I keep trying to leave it alone, and it just keeps popping back up. But, but uh, I was in Mexico when I was, uh, oh, I don't know, it was 1970, January 1977, so I was 26 years old. And uh, my spiritual father, Wayne Myers, he's the one that's about to turn 101, uh, said to me one day, he said, Terry, I'd like you to go up here north of Mexico City and uh, uh, preach at a church. There's a church over there that needs some, needs some help, and I think you can help them. And he said, but you need to stay two weeks. And he said, I think, I think with what's going on up there, uh, it's going to take two weeks just to break, just to break through the, the stuff that's going on. And, and, and get some miracles happening. Sometimes you have, to, you have to preach a while before you get miracles happening. And then once you get the miracles happening, then more miracles will happen. And I said, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. And so I, I took off and went up there and got there on a Sunday afternoon. And it was a Pentecostal church and it had about 400 people in it. And uh, when I walked in to preach, or I walked into the service and the song service and everything, you know, the people just weren't engaged. They just, they just were miserable. And they were just all sitting there like this at a funeral. And I'm sitting on the platform thinking, well, this is really weird. These people are just totally, totally checked out. And they're not happy about something. And so, uh, you know, then pastor gets up and introduces me. So I get up and preach to them this tremendous message that the Lord had given me to give them about uh, Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, where the word of a king is, there's power. And uh, Job... Uh, uh, 2226 says, decree a thing and it'll be established unto yeah. you. And I, and I said, you all are kings and priests unto God. And I established that with them. I took them to several scriptures in the word that says, it says you're kings and, and you're priests and you're not going to be when you get to heaven. You already are now. Revelation 1, 5 and Revelation 5, 10 says, says he hath, H-A-T-H, past tense, he hath made us already, not going to make us one of these days, but he hath already made us kings and priests unto him and his father. And I established that Old Testament and New Testament that, that you're a king and a priest already. You're not going to be one when you get to heaven. You're not going to get made one when you get to heaven. You can't get there unless you already are one, you know. And only priests can walk into the Holy of Holies. God, and God looks up and sees you walk in the Holy of Holies. He realize, He knows you're a priest. You can't get in there if you're not. Amen. And so, and I, I preached in this whole man. And they said, there wasn't an amen. There wasn't a hallelujah. There wasn't an hallelujah, a sweet little hallelujah. <laughs> then nothing. And uh, so I called folks up for prayer for the sick. And uh, folks came up. And I went and laid hands on folks. And I mean, nothing. Brother Hagin used to say, sometimes it's like laying empty hands on empty heads and nothing happens. Well, that's the way it was. It was, it was, it was empty hands on empty heads and nothing happened. And I'm not used to nothing happening. I'm used to something happening. And so uh, we dismissed the service, and there's no, there was no hotel in that town. I was staying at the pastor's house and eating at his house. And so we got over to his house, and his wife was cooking us a meal. And I said, Pastor, what's wrong with your people? I said, they're really messed up. What's, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with your people? And he said, well, Brother Terry, he said, I, I, I shouldn't have had you come. He said, I should have canceled the meeting. He said, the only reason I had you is because Brother Wayne told me he wanted you to come preach. And I said, well, the only reason I'm here is because he told me he wanted me to come preach. And uh, I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, he said, we're, a, we're an industrial town here. 
He said, we, we're like Detroit is in America. He said, we, we build automobiles here. And he said, people make, uh, people make good money here. And he said, but uh, the plant here is closing down this week, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock. And everybody's depressed. Everybody's upset. He said, it's going to destroy the economy. And he said, the president of Mexico has already been up here and made speeches and said the government will try to help us, but it's going to be bad. Uh, and everybody's just, just totally upset. That, that, that's what's wrong. He said, I should just cancel the meeting. I said, well, is it a strike? Are they in negotiations? He said, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a done deal. Papers are signed, done deal. Corporate headquarters have been in here and spoken and said they're closing and everything's closing. The papers are signed. Wednesday morning, they're padlocking the thing at 9 o'clock. I said, okay. Well, Monday night I went in to preach and 400 of them came back. I don't know why they came back, but they did. And they're miserable. They just sit there miserable. And so I got up and started preaching to them. And finally, I just stopped, man. There's not a hallelujah, not an amen, not a nothing, not a raised hand, nothing. They're miserable. And uh, I stopped and I said, excuse me, excuse me, hello. Everybody look up here at me. Can I have your attention? Can I have your attention, please? Look up here. I need to ask you a question. So they all looked up there. And I said, pastor tells me that uh, the plant is closing day after tomorrow, Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. And I said, uh, I need to ask you a personal question. I said, I need to know how many of you, if the plant closes Wednesday morning, if the plant closes, how many of you, it will affect you personally? You work there, or your husband works there, or your son works there, or your brother works there, or your father works there. No women would have worked there back in those days. But someone in your family works there, and it would affect you personally. Almost everybody in the church raised their hand. I said, okay, that's all I need to know. I said, I preached to you last night that where the word of a king is, there's power. Yeah, and I preached to you last night that you decree a thing and it'll be established unto you. And I said, I told you, you're kings and priests unto God and your words are with power and you can decree a thing and it'll be established to you. I said, but I'm also a king and a priest and my words are with power and I can decree a thing and it'll be established unto me. And I said, I realize that the town says the plant's closing. I realize that the plant corporate headquarters says the plant's closing. I realize the president of Mexico says the plant's closing. I realize y'all say it's closing. I realize pastor says it's closing. But I'm a king and a priest of Almighty God. And I decree to you as a man of God in the office of apostle God calls me to, that plant will not close Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock nor thereafter. And furthermore, if it does, you can tell everybody in these two towns the God of Terry Mize is a liar. And I said, and I'm a false prophet, and I'm not a man of God, and if it closes Wednesday morning, I won't be here Wednesday night. I'll pack my bags and go home, because you should never have to listen to me again, because I'm a liar, and my God's a liar. I said, but I'm not packing, I'm not leaving, I'm going to be right here Wednesday night. We're going to have church. I mean, there wasn't an amen. <laughs> nobody clapped, nobody cheered, nobody raised their hand, nobody said hallelujah, nothing. And I went on with my sermon, called folks up for prayer, laid empty hands on empty heads, and nothing happened when we went home. <laughs> Tuesday night, I don't know why, they all came back, 400 of them. I preached my sermon, they just sat there miserable, like this at a funeral. I stopped halfway through and said, excuse me, everybody look up here, hello, can I have your attention? And I said, I told you last night, I need to repeat this tonight. I decree as a man of God in the name of Jesus in the office of Apostle God's called me to that that plant's not closing tomorrow morning nor thereafter. And if it does, you can tell everybody in Ciudad, Ciudad Sagun and Tepeyapulco, these two cities side by side, 
uh, that God would tell you my is a liar and I'm a false prophet. I'm not a man of God and you'll never have to listen to me again. And if it closes in the morning, I'll pack my bags and leave and I won't even be here tomorrow night. But I'm not packing and I'm not leaving. I'm going to be right here and we're going to have church. Not an amen, not a hallelujah, not a, not a nothing. Miserable. So I finished my message, called folks up for prayer, laid empty hands on empty heads, and nothing happened. We went to the house. But Wednesday morning, the plant didn't close. And Wednesday night, we had some church. And I mean, there wasn't just, there wasn't just 400 there that night. I mean, it was jam, cram, packed. Every seat was full, people sitting in the aisles, people sitting up here in the front, people leaning against the walls, windows open, people standing outside looking in. And I mean, we had church. And there wasn't no more empty hands and empty heads. Six, six children that were deaf and mute completely healed while I was there that week. A little girl died while I was there that week. We raised her from the dead. Um, Guy had a stroke and he had been dragging his, dragging his arm and his leg the whole week. God healed him. Lady had a huge gorder in the center of her chest. And I reached over and cursed it and it fell off. I mean, we had miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. The pastor himself had had surgery and had a plastic bag hanging outside his body. And uh, the doctors had told him that for the rest of his life, all he could eat was uh, ground up, mashed up, vegetables, pureed like, like baby food, only there wasn't any food processors back in those days. Those ladies just took that mortar and pestle and just, just old stone, just ground those things up, just like baby food, just mush, with no seasoning whatsoever. No salt, no pepper, ni chili, ni salsa, ni nada de eso. I mean, I mean, that's a death sentence to a Mexican, you know? I mean, it's just... <laughs> And, and, and every night, every, every, every night and every day, the wife would cook me a normal meal and then she'd cook him that stuff. Every morning, every noon, every night. And one night during those two weeks, I'm preaching and I turn around to him and I said, Pastor, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You go eat anything you want. And he went out that night and ate barbecued goat and was completely healed uh, all, the, all the years of his life, all the rest of his life. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful miracles. Now, driving home after two weeks, I was driving back to Mexico City. And I was praising the Lord and thanking Him for the meetings and the miracles and all the wonderful things that happened. And I said to the Lord, I said, Now, Father, there's something that bothers me. I said, uh, I heard myself say that the plant wouldn't close down Wednesday morning nor thereafter. I said, I'm not sure what that means. And I said, I want to know where to have my faith because I said, you know, if that plant just stays open a month or six months or a year and closes down, I said, they may not think that's a miracle. I said, I need, I need a time frame to where I can say, okay, that's a legitimate God miracle. I mean, I prayed in tongues about it for a while driving down the highway and finally I said, you know what, I think, I think 10 years would be more than fair. I said, if a business survives 10 years... Uh, after they said it's closing down, I said, they, nobody can say that wasn't a miracle. So I said, I'm going to set my faith and believe God. So I checked on it. That was 1977. So I checked on it for 10 years. I checked on it. So 1987. Plant's still open. So I quit checking. But this is 2023, and it's still open. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 
told you and I. Yeah, Renee was with me in Mexico City not long after we got married, and, and uh, one of the guys, one of my friends came up to me, and he said, you know, Brother Terry, said that plant, the, the Dina plant in Tepepulco, and I said, yeah. He said, uh, he said I'm there, I, I, I sell to them. They're one of my customers. And he said, so I'm there uh, every month or every two months at most. And he said, he said, the whole town said they still tell that testimony, that story. So they don't know your name. They just say some, some gringo, some young kid, <laughs> gringo missionary, you know, from, from, the, from Gringolandia, uh, from the States, came up here and said the plant wouldn't close or, he, or his God was a liar. And he said, uh, they still tell that. They don't know what your name was, but they, they tell that all the time that God, God's kept the plant open. But, you know, in fact, y'all can Google it. You can Google Dina, D-I-N-A, the Dina plant in Tepepulco, state of Hidalgo, Tepepulco, Hidalgo, Mexico. Still open today. Amen. Now, you know, that's spiritual authority. That was my meeting, right? And my spiritual father sent me up there to preach. So I'm going up there. I'm there by the pastor's authority. I'm there by my spiritual father's authority. I'm preaching to the church. And, uh, you know, I was able to step in there and do that. Nobody's taking it. Everybody's giving up. You know, everybody's miserable. So uh, I took it. Well, y'all stand up with me. I can, I, I, if I don't, I need to hush. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, there's, so many, there's so many more stories I could tell over and over and over and over. Like I said, I just did 12 services on this and still didn't get through, so I don't know if there's any, any hope, you know. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I told you I was going to pray for you tonight, so I want to do just exactly that. And uh, when I pray for the sick, typically, typically, I, I, I don't have people come down and lay hands on them because I'm so used to having open-air crusades with huge crowds where it's impossible to lay hands on people. So I pray what I call a crusade prayer and let people get healed right where they are. Now, the only time I don't do that is if the crowd sets on me and doesn't want me to do that. And, and, and so if that's the case, then you can come up and I'll lay hands on me and pray for you. But I've had more miracles that way than any other way because I prayed for more people that way. And uh, so uh, me and the Holy Ghost know how to do that. So if you'll cooperate with that uh, and let me do it, we will. Is that all right? And I'll just pray, and, and, and the Holy Ghost will fall. I'm not the healer. He's the healer. And uh, there's certainly no magic in my hands. Uh, but as I pray, then the Holy Ghost will fall on you in a, ta in a tangible way. You most likely, most likely will feel it tangibly. You don't have to. Uh, uh, you know, us faith, word of faith people, we say, well, you don't have to feel anything. Well, I know we don't have to, but it sure is nice. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you most, most likely you'll feel the, the tangible anointing. Uh, whether you do or not, it doesn't make any difference. God still heal you. But um, the anointing goes into you. And something we need to understand about the anointing, the anointing will, will always uh, create. Uh, it will destroy. The Bible says that the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. It destroys. There's a destroying anointing. So in other words, if, if, if you've got whatever yoke you might have, if you have cancer or leukemia or lupus or COVID or whatever, whatever yoke it might be, then the anointing will destroy that. Yeah. Right? That's what we want the anointing to do. It's, it's a, it'll, it, it, it destroys. doesn't just break it. doesn't just make it feel bad. It destroys the yoke of bondage. But then it also creates Hallelujah. what's necessary. 
And uh, I, I've had people that God's done creative miracles in. I've had people that with steel. I had one guy with a steel rod in his leg. I mean a steel rod from his hip to his ankle and walked stiff-legged and everybody in church knew it. And, and I prayed a crusade prayer and I said, do the impossible, do what you couldn't do. So he started squatting down, touching his, touching his toes. And I said, what'd God do for you, buddy? And he said, preacher, I got a story for you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, the doctors did surgery on me and put a steel rod in my leg from my ankle to my hip, and, and I walk stiff-legged, and everybody knows it. And I looked over to his pastor, and his pastor just pouring tears. And I said, uh, you know him? And he said, yeah, I'm his pastor. I said, is that true? He said, that's absolutely true. And, uh, and I said, well, buddy, I want you to go to the hospital, go to the doctor and get me an x-ray tomorrow. And he said, well, that's not a problem. I work at the hospital. And so he came back, he came back the next night with two x-rays, one dated several months before with a steel rod in his leg, one dated that morning with no rod in his leg. With, <laughs> Just bone. Now, those are, those are creative miracles. Amen. 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 And I've had God dissolve screws and plastic parts and metal parts and, and then create things that need to be created. Right? And God, God's God. He can do that kind of stuff. Yes. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's always better if we can have, you know, multiple night services and pray for the sick every night so the people get used to what you're doing. Uh, that's always better if you're used to it and flowing with me. Uh, but y'all know how to flow, right? Yes. So I'm going to pray, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall on you. And, and then I want you to do what you couldn't do. Now, I know everybody's not sick, but the few of you that have some things wrong with you, then if you couldn't breathe good, breathe good. If you couldn't see good, see good. If you couldn't hear good, hear good. If you couldn't, couldn't move your arm, move it. If you couldn't jump, jump. If you couldn't bend over, bend over. If you couldn't uh, read something, read something. Just whatever you couldn't do or whatever there's a pain or a problem, if you had a tumor or growth or not, check that out. See what the Lord's done. So uh, always do something impossible. Always make your miracle happen. Always move in faith. Faith always moves in the impossible. Amen. And uh, faith always acts like it's true, like it happened. So we'll do that. We'll, we, I'm, I'm going to pray, and then we're gonna, I'm going to tell you to thank God. Let's give Him praise. You always want to give Him praise. And then uh, I want you to do what you couldn't do, and let's see what the Lord's going to do tonight. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I come before you now and thank you for your name, for your word, for your power. I thank you that you've taught us these four services in spiritual authority, that we, we've learned some things, we've received some things, we've accepted some things, we're believing some things about you, and we're not going to quit. We're not going to quit here. We're going to study deeper and look further and get more into this to where we are absolutely operating in spiritual authority every time, every day, everywhere we go, everything we're about, that we're going to see, do I have authority here? Uh, can I get it if I don't? And we're going to start operating more and more and more in spiritual authority, Father, in Jesus' name. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you, as I've already been talking to you about this whole week and talked to you about again today, just a little bit ago before service, to, I ask you to fall, 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 fall right now, Holy Spirit, fall on this congregation, fall in the house in the name of Jesus. And Father, those watching online, whether they're in a hotel room or a hospital room or a living room, or those listening on MP3 or CD or whatever in the future, the anointing fall right now. The anointing that destroys, the destroying anointing, to destroy whatever yoke is represented, whether it's called cancer or AIDS or lupus, whether it's called leukemia, whether it's called COVID, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's marital problems, whether it's financial problems, it doesn't matter what the yoke is. Destroy it tonight in the name of Jesus. 
The destroying anointing. The destroying anointing of the Holy Ghost. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to create. Create what's necessary. Create what needs to be done. Create new body parts, new organs, new... Create! And that anointing will hover, and that anointing will linger, and that anointing will go into the body and stay there, and work there, and hover there, and linger there, and work there, and move there, and complete the job in Jesus' name. Now I curse every sickness and every disease. Yes. Father, you said the power of life and death is in the tongue. I speak death to disease. Death to disease, to fever, to infection, to virus, to disease. I curse you as Jesus cursed the fig tree. You wither and die from your very life source. You dry up from the roots. Turn loose and get out. You'll no longer parasite in the bodies of the people of God in Jesus' name. And Father, I speak life. The Zoe life of God. You said the power of life is, is in the tongue. The Zoe life of God. Live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Now be healed in Jesus' name. Bones, you hear me now. Every bone, bones, joints, hear me now. You move in Jesus' name. Bones, you come in line with the word of God. From your head to your feet. Spinal column from the base of the neck to the tailbone. Straighten right now. Move right now. Every vertebra, every disc. Move. Move. Come in line. In Jesus' name. Father, I command the joints to be loosed. The joints to be loosed. And I curse arthritis or any such thing. Any fusion in the joints. Father, I command the, the jawbone. To loose the neck, the shoulders, the elbows, the wrists, and the fingers, the spine, the vertebrae, the disc, the hips, the knees, the ankles, and the toes, every joint, every joint, every joint, every joint. Loose! Loose! Loose now in Jesus' name. If you couldn't move something, move it in Jesus' name. Father, I speak healing to the organs. Healing to the heart. Healing to the lungs. Healing to the pancreas and the liver and the bladder. Healing, 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 healing. Healing, miracles, miracles, miracles. In Jesus' name. Father, I speak healing to every system. The immune system. The respiratory system. The digestive system. Be healed. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Body, you line up with the Word of God. Be healed. Every knot, every growth, every tumor, every bola, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You wither and die and dry up from your life source. Dissipate and get out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every growth, every knot, every tumor, every lump. You dissolve right now. You dissolve right now. You dissolve. You go. You get out. You move. In Jesus' name. Father, I speak healing to the eyes. Cataracts, I curse you. Glaucoma, I curse you. 
stigmatism, nearsighted, farsighted. Heal now in Jesus' name. Blind spirit, go in the name of Jesus. Ears, I speak healing to you. Deaf spirit, go in the name of Jesus. Tinnitus, ringing in the ears. Be healed in Jesus' name. Body, you be healed. You line up with it. You obey the voice of God. You obey the word of God. You obey the name of Jesus. You be healed and be well and be strong and be healthy and be whole. You live in Jesus' name. Every disease, every disease, I don't care what your name is, you die. You die, you die, you die. You go, you go in Jesus' name. Body, you live. You live, you live, you live. And Father, I speak miracles in the home, miracles in the house, miracles to the family, miracles in the finances, miracles in the business, miracles, 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 creative miracles. Father, we're not just mere men. We don't have to live like everybody else. We have a supernatural God performing the supernatural. Miracles in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Father, just like that pastor in Tepeopulco that the doctor said he could never eat anything but baby food and you let him go out and eat goat and everything else, I speak healing to digestive systems. Healing that people can eat. People can breathe, the lungs, the bronchial tubes. Healing. I curse asthma. Hmm. Now be healed. Now be healed. All right, now let's just lift our hands and praise Him. Don't, don't clap. Don't clap. Just lift your hands and praise Him. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you glory. You're the miracle worker. We would not touch your glory. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. Now while we're praising, you need to do what you couldn't do. While we're praising, you move something you couldn't move. If you couldn't jump, jump. If you couldn't bend over, bend over. If you couldn't read something, turn around and read something. If you couldn't hear, hear. In Jesus' name, move in faith. Act your faith. Healing, healing, miracles, miracles, miracles in Jesus' name. Father, I decree miracles tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Of Jesus, Jesus the healer. Miracles in Jesus' name. Deliverance, Father. Deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Break every addiction, every addiction of alcohol, of drugs, every addiction of sex, every addiction. Break that hold in Jesus' name. I break the chains, break the chains, break the chains. Loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We give you all the glory. We would not touch your glory. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, now look up here. Everybody look up here. Praise the Lord. Everybody look up here. Praise the Lord. If God's touched you, if, you've, if you can tell the difference physically, if there's something different, if there's something that hurt and doesn't hurt, if the pain's gone, problem's gone, check, check and see if you had a lump, a growth, if not, a tumor. 
Tell, see, what, see how that is? Check it. Sometimes you won't know until you check. A different kind of prayer, a different kind of anointing. So, so uh, see what's going on in your body, and then let me see your hand. If God's touched you, if God's done something, let me see your hand. And don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. It's always good to tell what the Lord's done there, there, there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Call, hold your hand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What did God do for you? Uh-huh. And I refused to have the surgery because I know that God could heal her. Amen. So I've just been declaring and speaking. And before you even started praying, I had was having that pain while I was sitting here. And it just started to dissipate. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. 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 Who else? Who else? God's, glory, 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 God's done glory. something. Ma'am, what did God do for you? Praise the Lord. That's, that's usually the anointing when you feel the heat. Oh, like that. Yeah, praise the Lord. Good for you. Who else? God's done something for you. Check your eyes. Check your ears. Check a growth. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident about the growth in the tumors. Check that. See see what the Lord's done. Who's, who's got a testimony? Don't ever be ashamed. Jesus said, if you'll, if you'll testify of me, I'll testify before my Father of you. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Amen. Amen. Who else? You got you? Uh huh. Amen. Include it. See a little clearer now. Good. I always like to get it moving. I always like to get it moving. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it better. Amen. Amen. Lumps, growths, tumors, knots. Somebody check it. Somebody check it. Somebody check it. I know it's in a big crowd, so you're not expecting a lot of diseases. But your back. Good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? I'm going to keep you a long time, but I do want to hear what the Lord's done. Thank you, Jesus. You're back? Yes, it's just been bothering me for intermittently for years, but it's gone. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory. We give now let's all just praise the Lord one more time. And when we do, the anointing will, will likely come again and you'll receive. So don't ever turn your faith off. Praise the Lord. You got rid of your crutches. Praise the Lord. Well, good for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. I like it. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad y'all got healed. Thank you, Jesus. God's not through. There's always a last one. I always, I always say, Lord, I know there's a last one. Where's that last one at? Amen. So let's praise him again. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you the glory. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise and majesty and dominion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we give you, you're the miracle worker. Now, if you're at home watching online and God's healed you, then you need to contact the church and tell them. If you're listening, if you're listening on another platform, you need to contact the church and say, God, heal me. Remember what I said to you last night? Brother Hagan always told us that, that, that the little lady with the issue of blood is the perfect example of how faith works. He, it says that, that Mark chapter 5 there, it says she heard it. Then she, then she said it. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Then she did it. She went and did it. Then it says she received it. She felt it in her body. She is healed of the plague. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And then lastly, she told it. Amen. She went back to Jesus and she said she fell down and told him all the truth. 
So it's, it's vital to do those things. We, yes. we, we hear it. You've heard it tonight. You say it. Then you, then, you, then you do it. Then you receive it. Then you tell it. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Yeah, it's that corporate anointing. Yeah, everybody gets it. It's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not just for a few. Everybody gets it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. 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 I want you to know you're you're in spiritual authority. You go home and realize that you're in authority over your house, you're over your yard, over your town. You're in authority. You're in dominion. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You know, back in 1986, Jackie and I moved, and our, our four kids, we moved to Corpus Christi, and it was going to be down there with Dean and Renee and, and go to their church while I traveled around the world. And... Uh, uh, so we had moved from Tulsa. Tulsa, I'd battle in West Texas, and then Tulsa, I, I, they, where I lived in Midland, Texas, and then in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they always called Tornado Alley. Well, I just refused to call it that. I'm not going to call it Tornado Alley. And so I've rebuked tornadoes all my life. I've gone out and seen them come down, and I've said, get back up in the cloud. They go back up in the cloud. I could tell you a bunch of tornado stories. And, uh, and then, uh, but I didn't know anything about hurricanes, and so we moved down to Corpus Christi right on the beach, you know, around the, around the bay. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the news started saying that, that Hurricane Gilbert, now y'all don't remember Hurricane Gilbert, but you would have because it was, supposed to, it was a Category 5, and it was huge. It covered the entire, the entire Gulf of Mexico. It was coming straight for Corpus Christi. All the news media outlets all said it was going to hit Corpus Christi. They called it the Hurricane of the Century. I mean, it was bad news. In fact, none of the news media would come to Corpus. They all stopped at Houston because Texas has this, this bay like this. Houston's up here, and then it goes around like this. Corpus Christi's here, and then it goes on down, and then Mexico and the river's here. And so the hurricane's coming like this to hit Corpus, and so all the news media, ABC, NBC, CBS, Nut Fox, everybody, they stopped at Houston. They weren't going to come to Corpus because of the direct hit. And... Uh, and so we were leasing a house. I didn't own a house. We, had, we, had, we were leasing a house. And uh, the, the owners of the house came over to me and they said, uh, Mr. Mize, we want you to board the house up. And then you need to evacuate. And I said, I said well, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And they said, well, yes, you are going to do that. And they said, I said, no, I'm not. I said, I said, when they said the hurricane was coming, I said, I got in my car and I drove out to the beach. And I got out and I went and put my feet in the water. And I pointed out there. And I told Gilbert, called him by name, and told Gilbert he's not coming here. Come on. And uh, and they said, well, you're going to have to board up the house. I said you don't know what you're talking about. They said you don't. You, you came from Oklahoma. You know about tornadoes, <laughs> but but you don't know about hurricanes. I said it's going to be bad. People are going to be people going to be looting. It's it's just going to be horrible. And they said we want you to board the house up. And I said no, I'm not going to board the house up. And they and I said the hurricane's not coming here. It'd be, it'd be pointless to do that. I said I told it to take a hard left turn and to go down uh, into Mexico into a certain particular place where it's unpopulated that I know very well, and then I want it to come in there, and I want it to drop all its rain right there in, uh, in Lake Guerrero because that's my favorite bass lake, and, and, there's, and Guerrero can't get water any way except from a hurricane because there's a mountain range here, the Sierra Madres are here, and all rain from Mexico, all storms come from the southwest, 
and they come up they come up to the northeast and they hit those mountains and drop their rain and Guerrero's on this side of the mountain they never get any rain and so it's in really bad shape right now and the only way it can get rain is from is the way it can get water is from rain from a hurricane and I said so Gilbert you go you don't hurt anybody you, you go down there and you fill my lake up and so they said well, you're out of your ever loving mind <laughs> and I said well nevertheless I'm not boarding the house up and they said well, you are going to board it. I said, no. I said, look, it's your house. If you want it boarded, I can't stop you. You just come have somebody come board it. But I'm not going to board it. I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not going to do it. There's, there's, no, there's no point in it. And they said, all right, we'll send somebody out here. And so they did. They sent some people out there to board up the house. So I went down to the grocery store. And I mean people were in line at every checkout stand. There's just, you know, 20, 30 people in line at every checkout stand. They all got all the survival gear in their they got they got water and they got batteries and they got flashlights and they got they got all the stuff and uh, I went and bought two sprinklers lawn sprinklers and I put them in my basket all I had in my basket and I pushed up there and I'm standing there like this in my basket and all these people around me all everywhere with all their baskets just running over and I got two sprinklers and somebody said hey what are you buying sprinklers for don't you know we're getting 10 inches of rain in an hour and I said no I said Gilbert's not coming it's been canceled <laughs> and they said, and they said, they said, what? And I said, yeah, I went out to the beach and I told Gilbert he couldn't come here in the name of Jesus. And I said, I need, I need some, my water needs, my, my front yard and backyard both need water. So I got two sprinklers because we're not going to get that rain. And they said, we're going to get 10 inches an hour. You're nuts. And I said, no, we're not going to get it. And I've got to water my yard. And so somebody heard that, and so they said something to me. So somebody heard that, and they said something to me. Pretty soon, I was the guy everybody's picking on, and I'm the guy that says, nope, it's not coming here. It's not going to happen. And I'm just, so I got up there and paid for my sprinklers. And now, now, Dean, her husband, had done, gone and done the same thing on his side of town. And so uh, every night, man, the town got empty. I mean, people left. They evacuated, you know, and Dean and I went out every night and went to eat and, and, and rode around and prayed over the town so the looters wouldn't be there. And, Sure enough, Richard Roberts called me. He said, uh, he, he had a daily show, he and Lindsay, you know, and they, they called and said, hey, are you guys okay? Because they're good friends. said, you guys, you guys okay? Are you all evacuating? And I said, no. I said, I went out to the beach and told Gil Gilbert he couldn't come, and he's going to go down to Mexico and fill up Lake Guerrero. And uh, I said, why don't you all come down and see us? I said, I'll get you guys some, uh, a great hotel room right on the beach, man, dirt cheap. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of, there's lots of vacancies, you know. So, so he got on the air and told everybody that. So I just talked to my friend Terry Mize and said, he, he said, Gilbert's not coming. And uh, he, he offered to get us a hotel room on the beach, you know. And, and so sure enough, uh, Gilbert got out there about, a, what, 100 miles or so and turned south and went to Mexico and went in and filled up Lake Guerrero. And, uh, and sure enough, I, I, I hooked my water sprinklers up and watered my yard. Amen. But, but, you know, that's my first experience with a hurricane. I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I knew about tornadoes. I knew how to beat them, you know. But uh, I had been down in Mexico one time, and I was flying. I'm a pilot, and I was flying, and a hurricane came up that the weather didn't tell us about because they didn't have the radar and all the stuff. <laughs> and so uh, the hurricane started coming in, and so, so, you know, I prayed and stopped that one and sent it back, and then I went on where it was hitting, supposed to hit right where I was landing, and I didn't know it or I wouldn't have gone. Uh, you know, you don't do stupid stuff. Right, and uh, I've always said, you know, if, if I've had people, I've had preachers try to get me to fly into bad weather because they wanted to go somewhere. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You don't fly into bad weather. I said, I know all there is to know about bad weather. You stay out of it if you're a pilot. And, uh, 
And uh, they said, no, no, we're faith people. We're just going to pray. I said, no, no, I'm the pilot in command. We're not going. You know, you have to find somebody else to fly. Yeah, I'm not going to go. And so uh, I said, here, I said, what you do is, is, is if, you, if you decide to fly somewhere and you see bad weather, like I just saw bad weather, then you cancel the trip. You don't fly up there and then believe God. I said, now, on the other hand, if, you, if the weather's good and you fly somewhere and the weather closes in and gets bad while you're there, then you use your faith and pray and believe God and get out of it. But you just don't go fly into it on purpose. Right? right? You don't go do something stupid. Amen. 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 Anybody else got testimony? You check something? You won't know unless you check. Move something, do something. Sounds like Jesus to me. Sounds like Jesus to me. Praise the Lord. Go get the doctor to check that out. Praise the Lord. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm always telling people if the anointing's on you, if you felt it tangible, if it's on you, I always tell people don't coffee that off or fellowship it off. Go home and get in bed. Say, Lord, I'm going to bed with this anointing on me. And you can just work on me all night. And just get in bed and just, just, just praise the Lord and just let that work on you. And you wake up in the morning and say, oh, man, I slept last night for the first time. Or I don't hurt anymore. Or I can do this. Or I can do that. But uh, how about the tumor, the growth, and not the lump? I'm, I'm convinced somebody, somebody got that. Could, Sir? Something on your leg, a lump or a knot or something? Oh, you just felt the anointing in your leg. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. I like it. I'm glad I like the anointing. That's always good for you. That'll never hurt you. That'll never hurt you. Well, it could be somebody online, or, you know, but I, I felt like somebody here in the house. And y'all, y'all may find out when you get home because sometimes, if you, again, if you don't check, you don't know. I've had people get up and leave the audience and go back to the restroom and check and come back and say, I'm, I'm healed. So uh, when you find out you're healed, be sure and give a testimony of it. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor... Come on. Come rescue these folks. I've told them who to ignore, and you're not one of them. So they, praise the Lord. Amen. Did you receive something out of these four days? Now, here's the thing. Just like what Dr. Mice was saying about the anointing and letting it work in you. Let the word work in you also. We, we've got a city to take. We got a state that's in a mess of trouble. How come they're not saying amen better? Do you, do, you, do you need to go back and talk about spiritual authority? We've got a state to change. The church has got, has got to stand up when the righteous are in authority. And we're letting all these idiot politicians run our state in the ground. And we've got to start speaking over this just like the Zimbabwe story over the the um, the rain, uh, we got to start speaking and, and turn this. Uh, this is a state that God poured His Spirit out on Azusa Street, and uh, He has not abandoned us. We just got lazy as a church, and uh, and so don't let this uh, don't let this word run away from you. The, this, the enemy comes to steal the word, but don't let him. Amen.